Grab your Bibles and let's open them to Genesis chapter 32 and resume our study of the life of Jacob. Uh, somewhat of a series within a series called A Theology of Limping. You follow in your copies as I read, beginning at verse 22, we'll read to the end of the chapter. Hear now that which is God's inerrant, infallible, inspired word. The same night he arose and took his two wives, his two female servants, and his eleven children and crossed the fort of the Jabbok. He took them and sent them across the stream and everything else that he had, and Jacob was left alone. And a man wrestled with him until the break of the day. When the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched his hip socket, and Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. Then he said, Let me go, for the day is broken. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And he said to him, What is your name? And he said, I, Jacob. Then he said, Your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. For you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked him, Please tell me your name. But he said, Why is it that you ask my name? And there he blessed him. So Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, saying, For I have seen God face to face, and yet my life has been delivered. The sun rose upon him as he passed Penuel, limping because of his hip. Therefore, to this day, the people of Israel do not eat the sinew of the thigh that is on the hip socket, because he touched the socket of Jacob's hip on the sinew of the thigh. The grass withers. And the flower fades. But the word of our God, that endures forever. My text this morning is the same text that I used two weeks ago on that long Labor Day weekend, you might recall. This story about Jacob wrestling is, is in my opinion, rich with application for us. Every detail is meaningful. And so what I, tried, what I tried to do two weeks ago is isolate four features of this story um, that I thought would, would give us a real sense of or a better understanding of some of the things that we grapple with. I, 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 I tried to get to, through four, but I only made it through two. And so what I want to do this morning, that was two weeks ago, I want to add the other two to the two... Of two weeks ago. But let, let's begin with a quick word of review. The, the, the dominant feature or the primary feature in this story, something that you've got to get straight and out of which the other three features or details grow or flow, is the identity of this mystery guest. Who is this man? Who is this masked man that comes and wrestles with Jacob? Well, the, um, the story itself answers the question. It's, it's not, there's not much doubt that's left about it, I don't think. You have what is known as a, a theophany. God appears and wrestles with Jacob. But one of the things that I tried to point out is that this is a parable, ladies and gentlemen. It is an actual event, yes. But it, it has parabolic meaning. That is, that its application goes way beyond Jacob, all the way... To us, Jacob had wrestled 
a long time. He just didn't know that he was wrestling with God. He thought his problems were his brother or his father or his father-in-law, but his problems weren't any of them. The problem was not Esau. The problem was not familial. It wasn't professional. It wasn't financial. His problem was his distance from God. And I said a couple of weeks ago that, you know, the problems that you and I are experiencing, perhaps even now, the, the, the marital problems and the financial problems and the professional problems and the career issues, those are not just personal problems. They're spiritual problems. The issue for Jacob was his distance, was his distance from God. And the issue for us, I'm afraid, is, is the same. And the question that Jacob has to answer and the question that you and I perhaps have to answer is, will you yield? Will you surrender? Can you find it in you to love submission? And those are hard questions for people as good as you, as accomplished as you, as educated, as, as successful, and perhaps in, in some instances even wealthy. Because lodged in the human heart, ladies and gentlemen, is a hatred of submission to authority. That was the first feature of the story, the, the wrestler, that is, his, his identity. The second thing that I said a couple of weeks ago in terms of that I wanted you to see from the story is that as you read the story, one of the things that kind of jumps out at you is that Jacob's not in charge here. No, no, uh, uh, God is initiating this whole event, as he always is. It is God who picks this fight. And so the point that I was trying to make is this, is that God interrupts this impending meeting with Esau to come and wrestle with his child, his son, Jacob. Now, again, the, the important part of that is he doesn't uh, show up so that he can have a nice long discussion he doesn't show up so that he can have a stroll on or through the park. He doesn't show up so that he can have an enter into dialogue. He, he shows up to wrestle. He doesn't come to this event to, to race him. He doesn't come to meet with him. He doesn't come to talk to him. He comes to fight him. And I'm afraid that so often our understanding of God doesn't include ideas like that. That God can be our opponent. That he can fight us. Gang, Jacob is not at this spot so that he can meet with Esau. Oh, no. Jacob is at this spot for a reason. And he's here because God has scheduled a wrestling match with him. This is going to be a moment of reckoning in Jacob's life. Actually, it's going to be the moment that makes him great. But it's a moment that was engineered, arranged, managed, and initiated by God. Wrestling with God wasn't exactly on Jacob's to-do list. Oh, no, no, no. He had, he had planes to catch and bills to pay and deals to broker. But he's not in charge. The man is. And he's got to learn that. 
he's got to learn it in a way that it seeps out of his head all the way down to his heart. And that's going to involve wrestling. And God initiated it. And he is, that is, God is one formidable foe that you don't want to toy with. The God of this event should send a chill down your spine like it did Jacob's. Now, those were the two things that I mentioned two weeks ago. Now, I want to add to those two features two other things, and then we're done. The third thing that I want you to see, guys, is that the, the preface or the, the, the preparation or prelude or precondition, whatever you want to call it, the, the, the prelude for this wrestling match, this encounter with the man, is Jacob's complete aloneness. You see that in verse 24. All his things and all his family have been removed from him and they're on the other side of the river. And he is by himself and it is night. He is stripped. He's reduced before the wrestling match begins. That's very important. If I'm right about this being a parable, and and I'm pretty sure I am, then the lesson here for us is enormously helpful as you and I try to understand our own difficulties, our own complexities. Stay with me. Let me explain what I'm trying to say here. Guys, uh, I bet you've heard of this before. Um... The Dark Night of the Soul. You ever heard that before? It was a book. But its original author was a 16th century Spanish mystic by the name of St. John of the Cross. And St. John of the Cross, what he said was that any person who follows hard after Jesus Christ is going to come to the place of a dark night of the soul where everything is stripped away from him. And the most painful feature of it all will be the loneliness of it. Now notice again, gang, it's nighttime. Uh, Nighttime is a time of reflection, of self-examination, of even fear. There are a set of circumstances that God has authored in the life of Jacob that has produced aloneness, examination, reflection, and fear. Into that ring a bell? For Jacob, life has begun to spin out of control through circumstances authored by God. Jacob is separated from everything that had given his life meaning and importance and substance. There's no wives, there's no children, there's no servants, there's no money, there's no flocks, nothing. Jacob is alone and broken. 
No more new towns to move to. No more new wives to marry. No more new jobs to take. And in his lonely, abandoned, defeated, frightened exhaustion, it's then that he begins to wrestle with God. Gang, do you see that? Do you see it? All those difficulties that you're experiencing now, all those complexities, they're a prelude. It's a preface, and it's a preface with a purpose. And the purpose is that you will get face to face with God and wrestle. You know, (laughs) some people seem to skip through life and others are dragged through it. But others of us, we have to be wrestled to the ground. We have to be wrestled into submission. More than once. And frequently, that wrestling to the, that, that submission is preceded by a set of circumstances that reduces us. It strips us. Because we're way too busy. We're way too um, um, successful. To meet with God. And so what he does is that our Heavenly Father in love he schedules a round or two with us. At first, when this ambush began uh, for Jacob, he tries to win And so will you. But in the end, he loses. And so will you. And at least in Jacob's case, he couldn't be gladder. He couldn't be more excited that he's lost. Which leads me, ladies and gentlemen, to say this. That bad thing that you're experiencing right now, that set of complexities, whether they be familial or marital or uh, professional or health or whatever, it might be. In fact, it probably is. The man. It might be time for you to realize that the, the real issue is not your health. The real issue is not your marriage. 
The real issue is your distance from God. And the question is not what's going to happen to my kids. What's going to happen to my marriage? The real question is, will you yield? Whatever it is that's going on that has brought you some pain, it might just be the preface. The, prepara- the preparation for a wrestling match when you get face to face with God. It's then, ladies and gentlemen, in the dark night that we begin to lose all of our paltry views of God and we discover that He alone is enough. Just Him. And and he becomes more beautiful. And sin becomes less appealing. And for the first time in a long time, life begins to cull away all the insignificant. My brother and sister in Christ, if you're going to chase after this God sooner or later, you too will get to this dark night. And when you do... You've got some eternal decisions to make about your soul. Like this one. To what or to whom do you belong? Is it to the things that you're losing that you belong? Or is it to the God who made you and claims you as all His? a terrifying night you will think that you're losing everything that's important to you you are and all that will be left is God and from that point on You will never view life quite the same. You'll never view God quite the same. You'll never view sin quite the same. The earth will quake at the center of your value system. And you will wonder, how could that stuff have been so important to me? The trifles of my soul finally They lose their grip on me. And the health of my soul becomes of paramount paramount importance to me. And you'll cry, Uncle. And that's the To bring all of us with our hatred of submission and our pride in our accomplishment 
and our high-minded view of life to bring us all to a place where we surrender. And God authors all of it. Don't waste it. Oh, my beloved friend, don't waste it. One other thing and I'm done. Guys, I love my life. I... I, uh, I love being a pastor. I love being your pastor. I love getting to do what I do here. But one of the things that I love is that when I have the privilege of, of talking p- with people who are in the midst of these dark struggles, they inevitably will ask me, how long will this go on? And all I can say is, until the dawn breaks, there's nothing anyone can do to make this night shorter. It can't be shortened. You, you, you can't speed it up. You can only slow it down. You are not done with this struggle until God says you're done. And it will seem pretty dark and pretty lonely the whole time. It took Jacob his whole life to get ready for this night. And now that it's here, the wrestling is going to be long and hard. And he will lose. And he will limp. And he will be so glad about it. So will you. And one of the things that will thrill you, one of the things I think that will thrill you the most is that now you see things about your Savior that you never saw before because you've seen Him up close. You've seen Him face to face and, you, and you'll see that, that He too walks with a limp. Oh, yes, the Savior, He wrestled with God too. And as a result of His great wrestling match at the cross, He now still bears the imprints of nails and spears in His body. And and the wrestling that He experienced has left its scars on Him. But His loss at the cross... Means everlasting life for his people. And he is glad about that. Ladies and gentlemen, he is the leader of a band of people who limp as they follow their limper leader. The the New Testament calls what Jesus Christ did, the New Testament calls it kenosis. 
It's in Philippians chapter 2, verse 7. That's not important, but it, what the word kenosis means is he emptied himself. And he became a servant and he, he serves all the way to the cross. And in all four Gospels, my friends, Jesus is portrayed in terms of kenosis. In terms of self-emptying. But it's not only found in the Gospels. The Apostle Paul says something that, that I want to read to you just real quick. One verse. In, in 2 Corinthians, listen to this. I, I, I hope you can get this. But listen what Paul says. For he was crucified in weakness, but lives by the power of God. We also are weak in him. But in dealing with you, we will live with him by the power of God. Did you get that? There's, a, there's, a, there's an unbelievable principle there, ladies and gentlemen. And here it is, if you didn't get it. Spiritual power always comes after weakness. For he was crucified in weakness, but lives by the power of God. Again, spiritual power always and only comes after the weakness. Jesus Christ's limping came as a result of bearing my sin, of, of making himself weak, of emptying himself on my behalf. And now, my brother and sister in Christ, please listen to me. His kingdom is one where limping is prized. Nobody struts in his kingdom. We all limp. We all know that there is nothing over which we ought to be proud. Nothing in which to boast. Except perhaps in our weakness. Gang, we aren't weak enough. God doesn't need our strengths. He doesn't need our power. We are way too strong. We're way too mighty to ever taste anything of spiritual power. Because that's true. The Heavenly Father, in love, initiates a struggle. Maybe several. Until we limp. Until we yield. Until we come to love weakness. Until we've discovered beauty and having wrestled with God, we lost.
and we love it that we've lost. And as a result of that battle, he left his mark on us. No high-minded people following this leader limper. He limps. So do his people. All that vaunted power and strength of ours. We left that at a foot, at the, at the, at the foot of, of the cross. We follow a limper. And we've learned to love the marks of grace that he's left on us. And one of those marks of grace is that we limp. And it's a limp that came when we finally surrendered. My brother and sister in Christ, you are never more like this Savior than when you empty yourself. You are never more like this Savior than when you yield, when you submit, when you limp. So my plea for you is this. Every time you get a chance to learn something more about limping, about yielding, about submitting, take it. Every time you get a chance to, to learn something about how to humble yourself, for God's sake, take it. Every time you get a chance to submit, take it. For the good of your soul, take it. Because, um, just like Paul said, spiritual power always and only comes on the heels of weakness. Gang, we're way too strong. We need to find delight in limping. Our Father, I do pray that you will teach your people that a lesson that was learned by Jacob, a lesson that is so needed among us, a lesson that strength is not the way that spiritual gain is made, that Spiritual power only comes on the heels of limping, of weakness, of self-emptying, of yielding, of surrendering, of submitting. Whatever, whatever word rings true, O oh God, remind us that all of, this, all of this self-satisfaction and all of this self-trust and all of this self-promotion... 
all of these strategies, all of these schemes to promote ourselves. They're ruinous. Ruinous to the soul. Grant us by your grace a congregation of people who have wrestled with you, have lost, and now take great delight in having lost. We ask it, of course, in Jesus' name.